Robinson with Bearing Precious Seed has come to help us. If you're trying to remember what seed line is, you probably remember us gathering in the fellowship hall with some uh, booklet that we cannot read, and we're folding covers for it, and we're stacking things together, and we're stapling them, and they're getting cut, and we're, we're boxing them up, and they're John and Romans, and we're, uh, Lord willing, uh, seeing them sent all over the world. And in fact, some of what we have put together by God's grace here, some of our friends in India have been able to give out along the Burmese border, and some neat things like that has happened, as well as many missionaries that we've not met have used those things. And and that is one of the great things that the Lord has allowed uh, Brother Chad to do. I don't want to steal his thunder, so I'm going to let him talk about all of that. So, Chad, why don't you come up and share with us, because I'm sure you do a whole lot more than just show up here every year or every other year and help us for a couple of days and then disappear again. So tell us about that and bring us the word. All right. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. All right. Good evening. Well, it's always good to be here. Um, we, I've enjoyed being here every time. And uh, I want to start off by saying this. Um, uh, just a testimony to your church is I can remember the very first time I was here, even just the very first time walking in the door and knowing this, that this is a missions-minded church. I knew it within five minutes of being, in this, being here. And, uh, and it continues to be that. And uh, what a great testimony uh, uh, for your church. You know, a lot of times, uh, maybe some of these other missionaries can attest, you go to a church and missions conference and all the flags are out and those type of things, but after uh, all that's done, all of the, everything that's missions-minded, those type of things go away. But um, you could tell that's part of the heartbeat here at Columbia Road, and I appreciate that and uh, so grateful for that. Uh, again, my name is Chad Robinson, my wife Heidi. Uh, we're with a ministry called Bearing Precious Seed out of First Baptist Church in Milford, Ohio. Um, our church has been printing the Word of God since 1973. And uh, one of the reasons we print the Word of God is because we believe that God's people should take care of God's Word. Uh, that that's a responsibility uh, of God's people, and that's a responsibility as God's people we have given to the world to do. And the consequences of that is is mostly that there's many people groups that still don't have a Bible in their language. And, um, and so that is, that is one of our main focuses uh, of our ministry. And um, we also have uh, our ministry of Seedline uh, that goes with that, the ministry that we're part of. But uh, uh, I think what I want to do first is I want to show you a video of our, of our ministry, uh, Very Precious Seed, just a new video and uh, one of the interesting things, and you guys will understand this here, is that we've had uh, transitions in, in leadership, and uh, that, uh, that has gone really smooth um, and compared to a lot of other churches, and we're grateful for that. And, um, of course, Dr. Keene, Dr. Charles Keene, was the, uh, the pastor when uh, Bearing Precious Seed in Milford was first founded, and then, um, then uh, D- uh, Bill Dutry uh, took the pastorate. And I believe it was 2000. Um, he just retired a month ago, a week, a couple weeks ago. Um, we voted in a new pastor a year ago, um, and uh, he's he's there now. And uh, and uh, he's he is part of our. He was he was from our church, and uh, and so this is it's just been a smooth transition uh, that God has uh, I believe protected our church in those areas. So you'll see, you'll see all those men in this video. If we could watch that video, please. Bearing Precious Seed began with a vision. 
of vision to reach the world. In our world today, there are billions of people that need to hear the truth of God's Word. They need to know that somebody loves them very much. And since the beginning of time, has desired to have a restored relationship with them. That someone gave his life as a sacrifice for the sake of all mankind. He died, was buried, and rose again in victory. And yet, still today, there's a world out there with no knowledge of Jesus Christ. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Bearing Precious Seed is committed to getting the scripture in their hands and in their language to printing and distributing God's Word free of charge to people all over the world. Let's take a look at what it takes to print a copy of God's Word. Printing a single copy of Scripture is a process. Hello, my name is Al Braley. I'm standing in the VPS print shop. We're about to see what it takes to produce Scripture. Behind me, you'll see the clamp truck moving our most valuable resource, paper, at the web press. These rolls of paper run through a Gauss press, six rolls at a time, producing 192 pages at a time. The aluminum plates transfer the ink to the paper. Plates are produced before being put on the press at our computer to plate machine at the pre-press area. When the scripture comes off the end of the press, folded, they are bundled together, strapped, and then moved to the binder. This equipment collates the signatures, trims the edges, glues the cover, and are put in shipping boxes coming off the end of the binder. This process is done by volunteers on most days. If they were not here giving their time, the binding process would be slow at best. When running well, this will bind 1,500 books per hour. We have the ability to produce our own hardback covers in-house on the case maker. Whole Bibles will be run through the case end process. Hardbacks are glued, covers are attached. They come off the end of the machine. They are boxed and ready to ship. These Bibles are now ready to be loaded into a truck, into a container, and a crate, and mailed out by box to a messenger who will distribute them to the lost world. They have been provided for financially, prayed over from the beginning to the end, and now are ready for God's will to be done with His Word. It is, it is His, his Word. word and it's for His glory. It has been said that a single copy of Scripture has the potential to reach seven people for Christ in a majority world country. That's why we strive to deliver God's Word around the world. Here's how you can partner with us in this global impact. You can pray for bearing precious seed. We need God's strength for this great work. You can provide a roll of paper. One roll of paper becomes about 10,000 John and Roman Scripture portions. You can sponsor one minute of runtime on the printing press. You can support BPS monthly. You could even become a messenger yourself. First Bible School of Translation is training men and women how to translate God's Word into Bibleist languages. And maybe God is asking you to become a laborer who will go into all the world with the gospel. I'm so glad that God has encouraged those who get involved with this promise. He that goeth forth and weepeth Bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him.
Well, that is definitely a good view of of our ministry, what's going on there, uh, printing the Word of God. And uh, I encourage you, if you're ever in Milford, Ohio, come come visit us. I'd love to give you a tour of the print shop, uh, put you to work. And uh, I know you're all disappointed. This time I'm here, I didn't get to put you to work, but uh, next time we'll do that. But uh, uh, we have this ministry, again, that's called uh, Seedline, that, again, we're part of. Uh, you saw the numbers there, uh, 220 million copies of the Word of God uh, since 1973. Uh, that's whole Bibles, New Testaments, and John and Romans. Um, years, years ago, uh, there, was a, there was a huge push to do a million John and Romans for Mexico. And so um, they couldn't do all those in shop as, in, as far as assembling those. And so they took them to four churches and had the churches. They took all the equipment and stuff to the churches and had the churches uh, help assemble those John and Romans. And that was kind of the birth of the ministry we have today called Seedline, which um, now has over 200 churches um, in, in the country that are involved in the ministry of Seedline that um, so far this year uh, we have done over 8 million scriptures just to these Seedline churches alone. And um, you can kind of see some, also some of the fruit from our ministry too that have come along. You know, then you know, getting Bibles to, pe- to, to people groups and how are we going to get them a Bible if they don't have a Bible in their language? So uh, we have the School of Translation now and those type of things. And so uh, if you would, just pray, pray, continue to pray for our ministry. We would definitely uh, appreciate that. Um, now Heidi and I, we've been in the, the ministry here now for nine and a half years. Um, Lord uh, called us uh, into the ministry there. And um, before I get to the message, I do want to kind of just give you... Uh, you know, people ask me all the time, let's say, Brother Chad, how did you get, how did you become a missionary? How did you come in this ministry? And uh, honestly, I kind of always give them the short answer uh, because the longer answer is just a lot to take in. I don't want to give you the long answer tonight, or, but I do want to, I do want to testify uh, how God works and how he worked in our life uh, to do that because I think people under the assumption, I think I was under the assumption that because um, uh, and it does work with some some people. Some people get get saved in a year. They're at Bible college and they're off to the field, and uh, that doesn't work for that way for everybody. And uh, I think Satan uses that sometimes to discourage people uh, from serving him in, in those capacities. And so, um, at the age of seventeen, uh, I was um, saved. I didn't grow up in a Christian home at all. I had some friends uh, that were. Um, were Christians, and um, they got me into a church where I heard the gospel and got saved. Uh, met my wife the same weekend that I got saved, and so that's a whole other story. Uh, we'll keep for another day. But um, got saved when I was 17. Heidi grew up in a Christian home. Uh, we were married. She was a lot more uh, solid in her uh, relationship with the Lord than I was at the time. So we went through several years. We would go to church um, I wasn't as faithful to church. I would go here and there. Um, we did faithfully tithe. We did, we did use a King James Bible. We did, we did things that um, we knew were the right things to do, but we didn't always know why we did them. Um, and then uh, several years after we got married, um, the Lord started working in my heart. I think it was when I started having kids and younger kids. And then when your kids, when they're little and they start doing everything that you do, it's kind of like, wow, I need to step up my game here a little bit. And, 
And so, um, and between that and just the goodness of God, he had been blessed, blessed us with a, with a good job and, and those type of things. I, I had a desire to, um, to know God uh, greater. And so uh, I went to my pastor at the time and, and asked him if, um, I asked him just a couple of questions. I did think I asked him a question about tithing and I asked him uh, some other questions. And he asked if I wanted to do uh, what was called discipleship. And so um, I said yes, like a, like a Bible studies. And so, um, so we would start, so me and my pastor, we would start uh, meeting together. And having these discipleship meetings, and and uh, the discipleship that we had, it wasn't only just um, going over a lesson and getting your Bible and then going home. It was much more than that. It was it was we uh, had built a relationship, and uh, just a lot of spending time with him and just uh, looking at his example as a not as a pastor, but as a as a as a Christian as a Christian man uh, uh, and how he. Uh, ran his home and and uh, how he um, just his life in general and so um, so I did that for several years um, we, we did that for several years and then um, <clears throat> he asked me if I wanted to serve in the church and I was like well I don't know and so uh, and so and th- this is what this is what I want I want to get at and so when he said serve in a church, I said sure. And so we, Heidi and I, we became uh, greeters at the at the at the door. We were just you know greeting people on Sunday mornings, and um, we helped um, help do that for a while. And then he says, "Well, can you also uh, be an usher when they do the offering?" And I was like, "Sure." I was like, "Do I have to do I have to pray out loud?" And uh, he he said no. And then uh, I think one time he just called on me without telling me. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, at the time, that was a, that was a big deal. And uh, so, um, you know, I, so we did that. And then he asked me um, if I wanted to be a deacon. And so uh, I was able to be a deacon. And, and we had a lot of, um, I want to say, senior deacons at the time, a lot of guys that had been doing that for quite a while. And so as a, as a younger man, uh, it was good to just be there for a while and not, Say a whole lot, if that makes sense, and learn from an older generation. And then uh, after a while, I you know give my input and those type of things, and and just had other opportunities to serve in the church as well. Um, uh, we also um, had an opportunity to be um, the uh, the lay. Uh, we no, we served in the nursing home for a while. Uh, we did that, and then we also had. I was the lay youth pastor at our church uh, for a while. And so, um, so we were doing those things. I had a good job. Uh, I think I told you, I've told you this before. Before I was in ministry, I had a, a good job as a store manager for Walmart. The Lord uh, blessed there. That obviously took up a lot of my uh, time at that job. Um, it was a, a good paying job. And and also, I just thought a good part of my ministry at the time was just being a faithful tither and, and giver to the church and just being that part. And I was actually getting content with that because I was able to do some other things and those type of things. But then um, after a while, the Lord worked, was working on my heart about 
doing more for him. And, um, and uh, it was hard to go through. Um, and uh, I would go, we would have missions conferences like this one, or, or a missionary come in and speak, or uh, the pastor would give a certain message. And, um, and I knew God was speaking to me in these, in these meetings. And I, I remember, you know, uh, standing up during invitations and, and holding on to the pew in front of me and just telling myself, God, what, you know, what are you doing? You're surely, surely you're not calling me. I'm, at the time, 35, 36, 7 years old. Um, you know, I have family, all these things. You know, I haven't been to Bible college and, and all these things are going through my mind. But the Lord kept working on me about it, and I had not, at this time I had not even told my wife about, about what the Lord was working on me about. I eventually uh, talked to my pastor about it, and uh, we talked for a while, and then um, I finally surrendered to the Lord. I said, whatever, Lord, you want me to do, I'll do it, whatever that is, whether it's be a missionary, whatever it is, I don't know how it's going to happen, but, uh, but that's what I'll do. And so, I went home. Um, I will say this. I told the Lord, I gave him stipulations, which I would not recommend do. Because <laughs> the, la- the next six months was miserable. Uh, but we got through that. And I came home. I told Heidi. I said, I think the Lord wants me to go on full-time ministry, quit my job, go on full-time ministry. And she said, she told me, she says, you know, I'll, I'll do or go wherever you want me to go, but... You, you better know what you're doing. <laughs> um, and a lot of that was because um, with my job, it already had moved us around already, and we were pretty stable at the time. And so, um, so what I did was I, I stepped down out of my position uh, as a store manager um, to a lesser management position uh, so I could um, take more time to, to um, take uh, Bible college classes online. And, um, and so I would, you know, work all day, that type of things. And then when, after the family went to bed, I would take my classes and listen online. And uh, this is how I know your pastor is, is missions-minded, because he was my missions teacher online. And so uh, him and Dr. Keene, which is very interesting. And so... So you didn't know you were working all that stuff, did you? So, but, um, and so I took, uh, I took online classes through Crown College um, in the evenings. And then uh, the Lord opened up finally. What he had for me was to go into this ministry of, of uh, bearing precious seed, um, um, seed line. And so, um, and so I say that to say that, just, just be obedient to God, whatever he has for you to do. Maybe he just wants you to be an usher. Maybe he wants you to be a greeter. Maybe he just wants you to do whatever. Maybe he does want you to go to a foreign field right now. Um, but I think a lot of those times he doesn't reveal those things until later. And so um, just be obedient to what God has for you. Um, we better get into the Bible. Acts chapter 26.
thank you for listening. That I usually don't do that. I just kind of felt led to, to do that. I think I may have done it one other time. But um, just be obedient to God. Um, Acts 26, verse, um, we're going to start in verse 1. Um, the Bible says here, it says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before the touching all the things where, whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I, I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at, at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginnings, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of all our religion I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come, for which hope's sake, a king Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought, thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest when they were Put to death, I gave my voice against them, and I punished them oft in every synagogue, and compelled them to blasphemy. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way of a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And we were all fallen to the earth. I heard a, a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Of course, uh, we know this. This is the Apostle Paul here. Uh, uh, giving his testimony. Um, I believe it was uh, pastor was talking to somebody uh, yesterday and he was trying to explain to them how old he was. And he, I, think you, I think you said that uh, you, were, you graduated in the 1900s. And that kind of gave them an idea how old he was. I, well, I also graduated in the 1900s. And um, when I was a kid... Um, uh, kids, you won't believe this, but when I was a kid, when we had a television home, it did not have a remote control. I know that's hard to believe, but it did not have a remote control. Um, it also did not have a menu on there that you could change all kinds of settings. In fact, it just had about um, three, three different uh, knobs on there to change the settings. I, 
I think one was so does it flip up and down wherever that was. And then there was the tint that kind of changed the color. And the other one was to, uh, to change the contrast. And uh, the contrast one was, you know, sometimes you'd watch a television show and it was, it was too dark, so you had to make it brighter. And sometimes it, the show was washed out, and so you had to, to, to turn it down. And so um, my folks would want to adjust it. And, and guess who was the remote control? It was me. And so I, it was my responsibility to, to go up and to change the contrast. Um, Paul's life, uh, his testimony certainly had contrast to it. Um, we could look at uh, the day he met uh, Jesus, that, his life changed. There, the, the contrast uh, changed in his life. But interestingly enough, not only did it change in his life, but God called him to change the contrast in others. We see that uh, there, even in uh, verses uh, 16 and 17 there. But he was called to change the contrast in others. Uh, but here's one thing I believe is this, that God not only ca- uh, called Paul to change the contrast in others, but he has called, he's called it to do it in, in others' lives as well. That He's called us to do it in others' lives. Uh, we need... Uh, to be able to do that. If you're a Christian tonight, if you're a child of God, He has called us uh, to change the contrast for others and others. We need to be willing to say, Here am I, uh, send me. Uh, Paul said, uh, He said, Lord, what wilt thou hast me to do? And we need to come to that conclusion. We need to, to have that type of um, obedience to God to be willing to do whatever he has us to do. Even as I shared earlier in uh, testimony how God brought us into uh, being a missionary. Whatever God has us for do, to do. So, what, so he sent Paul uh, to this, but what, what, did he, what did he send him to do? Uh, what does he send us to do? I think it's good to hear to look in verse 18. Uh, in verse 18, the first thing we see is this. It says, to open their eyes. To open their eyes. Uh, we need to be the instrument of informing their understanding in the things of God. We need to be able to, to help people along. We need to be able to, uh, to show them, to, to, uh, to shed light, to help people along. Uh, part of missions is not only to, uh, to reach the lost, but it's also to teach, uh, to, to, to disciple. And that's a part, I think, a lot of times that we uh, put to the side. Um, John chapter uh, 1, verse 15 says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Um, one thing that's, that's helpful if we're going to shed the light for people to help them is, um, is one thing, uh, help them uh, with the Word of God. That they, that they would have uh, the Word of God to help to show them from the Word of God. Uh, Psalm 119.130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding to the simple. And so, as we have this responsibility to, uh, to reach a lost world, um, and we have the opportunity as in our ministry is to um, help missionaries on the forward field with one of the greatest tools that they need is, is the word of God in the language of people that God's called them to reach. Um, and so they, they need the message. 
but not only do we need to have the message, but we also need to have messengers. It's going to take both uh, to reach the world. And so um, we need to, to be able to have both and, and send both out to the lost world. And so one of the first things, we, again, we see was the send to do what was to open their eyes. The second thing is this, to turn them from darkness to light. Again, changing the contrast, um, whether it's um, depending on where in the world, from atheism to, to uh, heathenism to superstition, any other ism that you can think of, to, to the knowledge and worship of a true God. And we need to be a part of that, turning them from darkness uh, to light. Um, Isaiah 5, verse 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Uh, Ecclesiastes 2.13 says, Then I saw uh, that wisdom excelleth folly as far as light excelleth darkness. And so, what are we sent to do? We're sent to help turn them from darkness into light. And so to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light. And then thirdly, I see in verse 18, is from the power of Satan unto God. From the authority and domination of Satan. So Satan's kingdom is, uh, Satan's kingdom is um, the kingdom of darkness. And people need to know that they don't deserve, they don't need to stay there. They don't need to be uh, stuck in the in Satan's kingdom, in this, in this um, kingdom of darkness. Um, that they don't need to uh, live there and, and, have, and have Satan have dominion and authority over them. Uh, but the gospel of Jesus Christ means they no longer need to be bound and can be underneath the authority and the power of God. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. That they may know that all their sins are pardoned. Well, what, what a wonderful feeling that is to know that, isn't it? I trust that uh, tonight that you, that you know that, that you can say that this evening, that you know that your sins are pardoned. Um, Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. That is an amazing thought. It's even a thought that I can't totally comprehend. But I believe what the Bible says. And uh, it says our sins have been blotted out. Uh, The last thing in that verse there, it talks about an inheritance. An inheritance, an inheritance that they become a child of God with all the blessings. Boy, isn't it good to know that, uh, isn't it good to be able to um, take part in the blessings and the rights that we have as a child of God? Uh, that we get to become boldly to the throne of God and, and uh, all the other blessings to have peace in our life and, and all these type of things. It's a blessing to, to know that. And again, Paul here, he has an amazing story, amazing uh, testimony. Um, again, the contrast 
uh, that's in his testimony. God used him to open others' eyes uh, that, that were spiritually blinded. Uh, God used him to turn people from darkness of no hope and, and no peace and no security to the light, the true light of Jesus Christ. God used him to draw sin-bound men from their father to the devil to enjoy the inheritance of being a child of God, to, to be able to uh, be free to sin no more. Can I tell you tonight that God desires the same from us as he did from Paul? Again, he has an extraordinary testimony, but as we uh, had the thought this week of, of the day that we got saved, that was quite a miracle in our life, wasn't it? It truly was. And so, in the same right, maybe we didn't meet Jesus on the road to Damascus, but there's been a time, Lord willing, that you've met Jesus, and there's been a change in the contrast in your life. Again, I... The only difference I believe is this, is that Paul was obedient to what God told him to do. And so we have that story of his life and how he lived out his life. And here, here's Jesus uh, explained to him uh, what he needs to do. But Paul was obedient to what God told him to do. And so again, I believe that that's, where we, that's kind of where we're at. We just need to be obedient to what God has for us. Whatever that is. Sometimes I think we should just call it obedience conference or something like that. And that's just, just be obedient to what God has for us. And, and put away all the distractions of life and all of, the, all of the excuses and just do what God has us to do. God wants us to be a part of changing the contrast of the souls of men and bring them from darkness to light. And so I, I challenge you with this. Just be obedient Again, to what, what he has for you. To well, This week we're looking at, obviously, uh, faith promise. Um, can I tell you, faith promise is part of that story that I, I, that I left out. Um, giving the faith promise, if I could give testimony to that. Just um, giving by faith and him taking care of us. I could go back and look where he had... Well, I was obedient to him in that area of finances, and he took care of us. So when I knew that I was going to be living off a fraction of what we did before, that I could remember when I was doing faith promise and doing what he asked us to do, that, that I knew that he was going to take care of us. And so just be obedient to whatever he has to give. Don't, don't figure it out in the budget. Just whatever, whatever God has for you to do, Give. If he wants you to do something, do it. Whether it's in the local church, whatever the case may be here, um, do what he asks you to do. And certainly if he's asked you to go, then go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for yourself and your goodness and your grace. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us, including myself, just continue to uh, be sensitive to what you're telling us and speaking to our own hearts and just being obedient to whatever it, it might be. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would be honored and glorified and we love you in Christ's name. Amen. Pastor. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment, please?
In our church, we have what we call a time of invitation where we invite you to act on what it is that the Lord has spoken to you about. And I don't know what it is that God spoke to you about, but perhaps, first of all, you, you just rejoice in that day when the great contrast came into your life, when you came to know Christ as Savior. When was the last time you thanked the Lord for that? I think that oftentimes we can look at what we don't have and what other people have and we wish we had and the ground that we wish we could take, and we forget to be thankful. God's put that on my heart and mind. Maybe, maybe tonight that's where we need to begin, is to thank the Lord for the great contrast, the great difference that he's made in our lives. Let me ask you a question. Is there someone on your heart that you say, I wish that God would open their eyes? I wish that God would open their eyes and turn their heart from darkness to light. Does someone's face, maybe more than one person, do, does, do their faces pop into your mind? Maybe your friends or family, a neighbor, a coworker, an acquaintance, some unusual connection that God gave you, but you say, Lord, turn their, their heart from darkness to light that they might see the gospel, see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ beyond the blindings of the enemy. Perhaps you want to bring their name forward tonight. Our dear brother helped us understand that when we give, we are on one side of God providing for the missionary on the other side. And of course, we know the Lord is in all of it. It's not up to you and me, but we have a part, and it's joyful to have a part in the work of God. Perhaps you haven't uh, given before to world missions, or perhaps God's put it on your heart to start giving. Perhaps these ideas of finding $5 each week to give to God's work to either increase it or to begin giving God has specifically touched you in your heart and mind about that. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe there's something that seems, like he said, this isn't just mission conference, it's obedience conference. And it's the question of not can I afford it or is this the right thing to do. It's the question of will I say yes to God, yes to God or not. And once we know that that's what the question is, it's easy to answer it, isn't it? Because he loves you and is so committed to you and has proven it time and time again, how could we not say yes to him? Maybe you're here tonight, you don't know Christ as Savior, or you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, or perhaps you want to join this church, or maybe it's something completely different that God has put on your heart, and you want to commit it to the Lord in prayer, perhaps using this altar as a place of surrender right there in your seat. Whatever it is, would you say yes to him? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it accomplishes every time what you send it forth to do. And so, Lord, counting that promise is true, we ask you to work now. In Jesus' name, amen.